Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the next Pats podcast. I'm Phil Perry. This is a week three edition of the podcast phenomenal episode lined up for you today we're going to hear from josh mcdaniels explaining to me why mac jones might be throwing as short as he is why this patriots passing offense might look as conservative as it looks right now and then we're bringing in our buddy of the qb school jto sullivan 10 years in pro football including a little bit of a run here with the patriots in their quarterback room We wanted to get him on because he is so good at explaining quarterback play and what quarterbacks are looking at, what their reads are on certain plays. And we pose it to JT. Why is the Patriots offense throwing as short as often as they are? Is it scheme? Is it protection? Is it just real-time decision-making from a rookie quarterback who's getting his feet wet in the NFL? And we get into a little bit of it all, but I think what you're going to find is JT O'Sullivan describes to us especially on a few plays that we're able to break down with him. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be able to see what we're seeing. He likes the decisions that Mac Jones is making. He's able to tell us what Mac Jones is reading on a particular play and why he throws short. If the read takes him there, that's where the quarterback has to go. That's what Mac Jones did time and time again on Sunday against the Jets. So would you love to see him take a few more shots down the field? Of course you would. Would you love to see him hit Hunter Henry streaking towards the end zone, totally uncovered for a walk-in touchdown? Of course you would. And JT acknowledges that. But there were many other instances where it looked like maybe he would have been able to push it down the field. And that wasn't the right call. Not just because of the punishment that Mac Jones has been under, not just because of the protection issues that the Patriots were experiencing, especially at right tackle where he pieces in and out. No, that's just the right football play in a vacuum. That's why we have JT O'Sullivan on. But first, we're going to hear from Josh McDaniels, because again, I thought his answer this week was really good about whether or not he trusts Mac Jones at this stage of his career to push the ball down the field a little bit more frequently. Here's what Josh McDaniels had to say. You mentioned there's obviously a lot that goes into those decisions, whether it's, I I would assume, the the play call or the decision in real time that the quarterback has to make to throw it down the field. But I just want to ask you, as, as a play caller and working with a obviously a young quarterback who's only played two games here. Do you maybe call fewer of those types of plays that would ask for Mac to push it down the field just to help him get his feet wet with what look like more manageable passes? Or do you trust him fully to, if that throw is there to, to take it and be as aggressive as he wants? Yep. I trust him um, completely. And so I think, I think, and, and again, kind of to piggyback off of Mike's um, question, and, and, and uh, I understand your question too. Um, I think there's there's a lot that goes into each decision. And again, look, I 
I'm the first one to say that I could do a better job at a number of things. You know, as I look back at what I've done, the first game, the second game, and how we want to try to uh, grow and evolve as the season goes on uh, in terms of a lot of areas of our offense making progress. Um, but I think you, you know, protection is one of them, you know, the discussions that you have to, you have to, you know, be aware of um, blitz. Is there a lot of pressure, you know, coming at you? Can you hold the ball? You know, are you able to uh, do things with certain protections to add time to your pocket? Um, you know, and, and, and he has to deal with all of those same things, you know, he has to weigh, what is the coverage? How am I seeing it? Does it give me a chance to do that at the same time react to maybe something in the pass rush or what have you that forces the ball to come out of his hand a little quicker. That's been the case for every quarterback who's ever played. And I think for me, I'm there's, believe me, there's not a whole lot that we're holding back for him. Um, I think this was a very aggressive front that we saw in New York. Certainly um, they did a good job of trying to get up the field and, and get into the middle of the pocket some uh, which certainly we can improve in that area as well. Uh, and then we talked, you know, last week about, you know, how much pressure Miami brought and so on and so forth. So I think it's a combination of all those things. You can call as many as you want. It doesn't mean the ball is going to go there because the defense certainly has a vote in where the ball is going to end up going. And then our execution across the board, the read from the quarterback's perspective was, was the coverage, you know, applicable for us to take a shot or throw it down the field or throw it intermediate, the, the execution of the protection, the execution of the blitz pickup, the route, did we run the route the right way? Did we get open down the field? Did we give ourselves an opportunity? So I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, Certainly, you know, like I said, you, you want to be able to test those areas of the field as you move forward. Um, but I also want him to make smart decisions. I want him to protect the football. Um, and I want him to be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive. And I, you know, look, he's throwing the ball down the sideline to Nelson Aguilar in Miami. He's throwing the ball up the middle, you know, in Miami. He threw it down the sideline to Jacoby this week, you know, so it's not like he's not doing that. It's just there's certain times when it's the right time to do it and certain times where it's not. Um, and I got to continue to work hard at myself to try to provide our offense with opportunities to do that if it presents themselves. Now, the part of that answer that stood out to me from Josh McDaniels was his mention of protection. And that's where I felt like all of this began when we started talking about the conservative nature of this Patriots pass game, because through two games, and it's just two, through two games, but through two games, the Patriots are on average the third shortest throwing passing offense in football behind only Matt Ryan's Atlanta Falcons and Jimmy Garoppolo's San Francisco 49ers. So the question is why to me, I thought it was along the offensive line that was really impacting the play calling from Josh McDaniels. That's why you see as many screens as you saw and JT is going to talk about that in a minute here, but it also, I thought impacted Mac Jones was Mac Jones maybe playing a little bit fast because he took so many hits in week one. He took two big hits at the start of the game against the Jets in week two, that's a penetrating front. They're trying to be the next Seattle Seahawks. I don't think they have that kind of talent up front, but that's the style they want to play with is knife up the field, one gap, be a penetrating defensive line. He gets hit a couple of times early in this game, and now I'm thinking, okay, he's passing up shots down the field because he doesn't want to get his teeth rattled again. But now let's bring in JT O'Sullivan, and you're not going to hear a ton of discussion about the protection, is it an issue? It is. But again, we're going to be talking about quarterback, decision-making, 
process. Nobody better than JT O'Sullivan to talk to us about that. Again, 10 years in pro football. The guy's been all over, seen a lot of different offensive schemes, spent some time in the CFL, NFL, Europe. So this guy knows football. He's doing some coaching right now, as a matter of fact, at the high school level. So perfect, perfect guest for us to come on and tell us what is going through Mac Jones's brain when he drops behind center. Let's get to JT. All right, very excited now to have with us JT O'Sullivan. He runs the QB school, which you have to be following on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, join the Patreon account, do it all because it's going to make you a lot smarter. This guy spent 10 years in pro football, including a little time with your New England Patriots. JT, thanks for being with us, man. Yeah, Phil, excited about it. Yeah, a little time back in uh, back in the way, way back, but excited to uh, talk to Patriots for sure. Well, we had you on before the draft, JT, and we talked about a lot of the quarterbacks in that class. We figured the Patriots were going to draft one. We just didn't know which one just yet. They obviously go with Mac Jones. What do you feel like the fit is between Mac Jones and the Patriots? Now I haven't seen a couple of weeks of, of that fit in action. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty seamless fit as far as what they're what they were, what they're trying to be, uh, all those kind of systemic fits as far as what y'all have been used to for a long time now obviously been at the highest level ever played in the position but the idea being that there are you know certain things as far as decision making consistency ability to deliver the ball and then how that scheme is kind of put together around the where the quarterback skill set is with the perimeter players and I think it's an exciting time to be a Patriots fan and it's just going to get better and better one of the things that's popped up JT over the first couple weeks of the year here are just some of the passing game advanced numbers, I guess. It's a, it's an interesting time to cover this lead, cover this team, but I feel like football fans are so much more knowledgeable. So they know what things are like average depth of target or intended air yards, and they can find these on next-gen stats or wherever else, pro football focus, and they can point to them and say, why is our guy third to last in the league when it comes to intended air yards? And we have our theories here. I asked Josh McDaniels about it yesterday, and he went on a great – long explanation about how much just goes into every single decision a quarterback makes, whether it's the scheme you're going against the protection you're getting the in real time decisions that you have to make, but we want to bring somebody on who actually knows what he's talking about, you know, so it's not just me prattling on and on and on. What to you from what you've seen from this Patriots team and what you know about this offense is really the, the primary reason for why they at least look so conservative right now. Well, I, I probably a, a number of factors. I, I would say for me, I think it was fair to look at the film from the first week and say that there were potentially plays that he could have gotten more aggressive with down the field, whether it's a timing thing, whether the, it's a game speed thing, whether it's all of the above. Uh, I think that all of them probably played a factor that first week. The second week, uh, I found probably less evidence on the film and more evidence of just how the play calling is being structured. So to me, watching that game from the all 22 angle, there's just a significant amount of what I would consider really well orchestrated, constructed architect plays to create space on the perimeter. So they're throwing a lot of screens, you know, they're throwing a lot of fake screens. They're pumping one way, throwing a screen back the other way. Well, that's not Mac Jones checking the ball down. That's, play is called to be a screen and I think it's it's if I was a rookie quarterback I would love plays like that to get into a rhythm it's like making a layup or a free throw like you just want to see it go through a couple times and then as you get more confident as you get 
start better understanding what you're seeing on the back end with the timing and the protection. Those chunk plays, I think, will come because of what you kind of alluded to a little bit already. The league is set up for quarterbacks and wide receivers to be successful and protected, and you get a little bit more opportunity to stretch the field vertically. But I don't, I didn't necessarily put that second week quite as much on Mac Jones as far as maybe shying away from some throws that I thought might have been there on the film. That's really interesting. That's why we have you on. We we need to get this this layer of context because you're right. Ton of screens. I think I counted six straight up screens where there's one option in the passing play. There might have even been another one that I didn't give them credit for as being a screen because it didn't look like a screen. But they tried to hit Johnu Smith on a on a crossing route, and the other four eligible guys were really just blocking. They never even turned around for the ball on a third and long play, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's a wide receiver screen. So yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's a screen for sure. And, and it's not just that, it's also the run game, right? Like, I think anybody who's watched the Patriots for a long time uh, it will recognize that wham play that they run where they kind of short motion the tight end and come down and crack like that. Well, that's really like an attitude run play, a downhill run play. You don't see a whole lot of teams in the league doing that. So, I mean, you, you start incorporating how they're running the ball when they have multiple tight ends in there you know, it kind of condenses the flanks. And so there's, it just limits some opportunities for maybe some other teams are spreading you wide. Well, maybe now we're constricting you a little bit, making it a little bit more like old school in a phone booth type of football. I want to bring up a couple of plays here. And so I'm going to share my screen and the people that are watching us on YouTube right now can see what we're seeing. But I did want to just mention JT. I mean, he got hit. I counted 11 times in week one against the dolphins. And then he, they come out and he gets hit on a screen. He gets walloped on a screen. He gets hit again. And I think I have the play here, but just for somebody who's played that position, especially if you're young or you're inexperienced, how difficult can it be to try to be at your best when you might be a little bit rattled and you just understand that there's going to be some punishment coming. Cause he, he took his fair share of shots just in that first week alone. And then a couple more in the first quarter here. I, mean, I, I think anybody who gets to that level understands what comes with the position as far as putting yourself in a vulnerable spot. And it's just part of the part of the deal as far as playing with a high level. I think the last thing you want as a quarterback, or one of the last things you want is someone to say, Hey, he looks a little gun shy or he you leave in the pocket early. Like that's basically like saying, Oh, you think I'm a coward? You like, you don't think I can stand in there and take this. And so there's an element of that. The other part of it for me is just, yeah, he's comes from the best college football program, maybe ever playing at a really high level, but, all these guys are Alabama now. You know, it's just, it's faster up front. You don't quite know how much time you have to get rid of the ball sometimes as far as the play clock. And those things will just get better and better as you get more and more comfortable. So I wanted to show you this one here because this one, it looked to me, and just from watching your channel, you do a great job explaining how hots work. Hot routes, just getting the quarterback an option when he knows there's pressure coming. It looks like there's pressure coming here. This is early in the game. Again, it's fourth quarter, or sorry, first quarter. And they've got the Jets have one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, six guys on the line of scrimmage, maybe one more seven who's a coverage player. But it looked to me, JT, like they're running a lot of, you know, there's pressure coming here. There's a lot of kind of deeper routes. I didn't really see anything really quick for him to to be able to hit here in this situation. Could he have handled this any differently or is it just a tough play call against that look? Well, I mean, I think it. A lot of that is a, a great analysis. So what is that? Third and short, third and shortish, third yep. and four to five, third and medium. Usually you have a number of, this is obviously man coverage. You're going to have some sort of man beaters out there. So you're going to have runaways, either picks or rubs or outbreaking routes. But I mean, where should he throw the ball? So pause that thing at the top of his drop 
where would you throw it? You know who, you know, like, no idea. okay. Like maybe you throw a back shoulder or something or, but I mean, you're counting on, I think the out in the slot up top is probably where he's trying to go. Maybe this guy down here at the bottom of the screen, if you get all the way through the read, but I'm going to guess this read is left to right all the way across. And you just don't have a chance to get through it. I mean, at some point, you know, those guys get paid to separate and give you some space to throw the ball too. Right. But I, I think right. you're right. On, I, to me, that's less on Mac Jones and more on the design and the skill level on the perimeter right there. Here's another one that I'm going to advance it a little bit here, but it, again, it's just, it's one of those where it looks like there's not a lot of obvious places for him to go with the ball on some of these, even when he has time. So I think on this next one, you know, I think there are a few plays where he was getting pressured and it's hard to tell, okay, would he have pulled the trigger here? If that body that, you know, that flash of color, is it, you know, right in his face? Um, let's see. Or, is he just being a little bit too conservative? So there's one coming up here where it looked like he had time, some longer developing routes, and he ends up checking it down to his running back. And the running back's fairly well covered. And I'm not even sure this went down as a completion, but I'm just curious if there's if there's more that could have been done with this play. Because again, there weren't that many opportunities where he had the combination of time in the pocket and throws to make down the field. But again, I'm just not sure where you go with this ball. Maybe you know, the seam player kind of working on that safety one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know. I mean, is this a, this is first and 10. This is like par down. Yep. So yep. To me, this is first and long. Yeah. First and 10. So to me, this is a, what most people would refer to as dagger up top with kind of a clear post by the number two and a deep end by the number one up top. And then down here at the bottom, this is a seven or a corner with kind of a flat or control something to pull the flat defender down here to the bottom. And so different teams will read this different ways. If you read this thing at the bottom, you're just reading the corner. If that corner gets depth, you throw it to the wide receiver or that you throw it to the check down. If the corner comes down, you got a chance for that seven right behind his ear. It sure looked, I think he's working to the bottom of the screen. So you're just reading that corner. When that corner gets depth, you got to check it down. I gotcha. So that's just the big right there. He's not even really, he might not even be looking at this, this um, well, dagger at the top. Yeah, unless we're in the quarterback room, you know, I, I can't tell you why he would work one side versus the other. I would say it, whatever side you work, you're reading that the depth of those linebacker types. And if they get depth, they're taking away that second level throw. You got to check it down. Yeah. I'm just one more time. At, I, I couldn't yeah, see his eyes. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to say, I was trying to look at where his head is, is directed as he's catching the snap here. He does a pretty good job seemingly JT of kind of keeping it right down the middle and then picking yeah. a side. So I don't know. You tell me if that's, if that's what you see here. I mean, he definitely I mean, goes like left working to the left. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think if you work to the right, you probably check it down also. This is also a first – that was a first and 10, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with the check down. The check down up top is perfect. That check down is good if you can get a completion. You know, it's just a – I actually really like that play call. That's a play call that normally is reserved for, like, third and long when you've got to take a chunk there, but it's nice to get those on early downs. Yeah, this is, a, this is the two-minute here, too, because this next play I'm going to play is basically – I think he just didn't see a guy. And now this is the intentional grounding play. So I don't know if you remember this, the very end of the first half. Yeah, he tries to make the argument that he's like trying to throw it to the check down. Yeah, which was – but but right up top here, you can see I, – I think it's a coverage bus, JT. The, the Jets kind of jumped yeah. to Kobe Myers at the top of the screen and Hunter Henry's streaking down the field with his hand in the air. Yeah, you would hope that he sees this, you know, because it looks like he's looking up top. And, but I mean, sometimes if you're thinking, you know, that, that normally to that guy who pops open there, that's usually just like a clear, like you're trying to hold that coverage off. You're going to throw the option underneath it. So you would love for him to be able to see it, but 
you know, that's not reality all the time. Is he, is he maybe reading this kind of the strong safety? It looks like in the middle of the field, that's the guy who would actually kind of, it's hard to tell again, where his eyes are, but would he be making a read off of that player and, and going either to Jacoby Myers, who's kind of the slot guy that got jumped or 84 here running down the middle of the field? I, I couldn't tell you why he would work one side or the other right here. I can't tell you if, you, if you're running that option, if you're trying to throw it to the up top option route, you're just trusting your guy to win. And so he needs to win based off the leverage. And then you got to kind of take your, take whatever he gives you. And if you don't like it, you got to check it down. And so, you know, when they, when they blow the coverage, there is no win on the option, right? There's two guys on the option. You don't have a chance. I don't necessarily think that you would be reading the guy who's down the hash to make a decision. Cause you kind of probably be late on either one of those throws to either side. Gotcha. There's, there's one more I have for you here, JT, because it's a play that I think we've seen quite a bit and maybe it falls into that category of what you're talking about, where, you know, it's obviously not a screen, the one I'm going to pull up. They're in the red zone. It's third quarter. And it's the kind of play, though, that I feel like we saw again and again and again. And and you could tell me how you know this play to be called typically. But we saw it a lot last year with Cam Newton as well. And so I think it's just one of those staples of Josh McDaniel's offense plays where I'm not sure what makes this a good concept against you know, whatever defense it is that they're seeing, this is obviously a Jets, you know, Robert Sala is known for that Seattle style cover three, but I I just want to run the play and and have you kind of take us through it. Because there was one, this was one play in the red zone. This is another area where the Patriots offense has kind of struggled through two weeks where I'm thinking it kind of looks like there's a lot of room for Hunter Henry on this corner route to the back of the end zone here. But again, it's another play where he's, he's pressured a little bit. And I don't know if, the timing of the play would allow for that kind of throw down the field. Yeah, you certainly initially, the first thing I see is the guy running through the B gap, uh, you know, on a third down like this, when you're called, this is what third and longish third and eight ish. Yes. You know, you're calling this to me, this is just a curl flat down here to the bottom of the screen. And then anytime you tag this corner, and it's usually tagged in the red zone. You're thinking that that corner is going to drive that curl and you're going to throw this thing behind him Cause normally in the middle of the field, you would run this curl flat with a clear route or a post by that tight end just to hold that safety off. So right here, this is a NFL red zone play where you're thinking that corner is going to drive the, the curl and you're going to be able to throw that corner. But right here, you know, someone running through the B gap, it looks like they have a blown coverage or blown protection as far as who they're going to for their five man protection. But I could totally see exactly what you're saying. But he also right here gets the ball out of his hand really quickly. It looks like he's not even given that corner an opportunity. So you know, this is, again, one of those plays where you look at it and go, maybe he's playing a little fast, but if he plays at full regular speed, he might take one right in the chest, too. And he did a bunch week one. And it, what was interesting about week one was he took so many shots, and a lot of them felt like, you know, the risk. I don't know if the risk is, <laughs> if the reward is ever worth the risk, but it, it did feel like when he was taking big hits, he was making plays deep. It was like a deep shot to Nelson Aguilar down the sideline or a deep shot down the middle to Aguilar or to one of the tight ends. And here, I don't know if, if that's in his head where he doesn't want to, you know, be picking himself up off the turf 11 times every week, JT. So he's saying it's, it's just not worth it. We're playing with the lead. I'm trying to be safe here. Or if it's just he's a little sped up because he has been hit. I'll, I'll be honest with you right here. I think this is a pretty good quarterback play. If you go back to the end zone right here, look at the point that the center is making. So it sure looks like most teams when, they, when you play five-person protection like this from the backside here, you, you'll – they'll almost always 
do the pass protection adjustment 5-0. So he's probably putting up his hand there saying five. And so that means that the center is going to the nose, who's on him, and the guard and tackle to each side are kind of dueling out. So that number 56, who's over the nose, he's unblocked. So he's the quarterback's. So if he were to blitz, theoretically, he is the quarterback's. And so to me, Mac Jones is just throwing hot here. So he, you know, this is, this is what, I, what I would want to see from a quarterback without knowing for sure what the pass pro is. So he sees that this guy's coming and he says, okay. So that's his guy, right? Like, right. So to me, that without obviously being in the room, knowing exactly what the protection is, just looking from the point and what, you're, what you can really get accomplished with five-person protection, that's a really hard stunt to pick up. This so is great. he's throwing hot, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'm hearing from you is that he's actually, there are a bunch of plays here that might look like to, again, the layperson, you know, why doesn't he try this pass down the field? They need to be a little bit more explosive occasionally. You're going to be able to dink and dunk your way down the field against good teams. But it sounds like from, from what you're describing for us, JT, these are, these are just solid, smart quarterbacking plays where he's taking what the defense has given him. Yeah, I mean, I really thought that last one was exactly that. I, I would say that the, the potential areas, you know, that when, if, when you're talking to Josh about things like that, where it's like, hey, any idea about maybe – protecting those edges or protecting if you know you want to take that shot with that curl flat with that corner how about we have a seven person protection instead of a five person protection then we can buy the time and take that shot and attack that space that you see with those types of things and so you know it's I think it's really impressive that any quarterback can handle five person protection and throw hot like that with that type of exotic stuff happening in front of your face for it to be his second game you know obviously everybody's said and spoken really highly about his football IQ and those types of things and so it's really evident when you turn on the film like this that he he sees that type of stuff he's getting the ball out on time and I just imagine it gets better and better sounds like you'd be encouraged if you were a Patriots fan by what you've seen so far I mean I'm encouraged and I'm just a fan of football in the position and so I, I can only imagine what uh y'all get a couple another good quarterback would be pretty cool it would be pretty cool It'd be good for all of us in the media everybody in the stands uh, regardless, it make it make it a lot of fun here in New England. Yet again, it's been we've been unbelievably lucky here. Going to even before you were here, JT, you said you were here way back in the day. Even before you were here, it was an interesting team to cover. Yeah. We've just been lucky all the way through. We've been very lucky to have you on as well, my friend, Doctor JT O'Sullivan. You grind that out for that for those two letters right there. We're going to give it to you. He's got his PhD in leadership studies, and it makes a lot of sense when you listen to the guy talk football talk to us, teach us here on the internet, whether it's on his channel or on ours when we're lucky enough to have him. JT, thanks so much for, for doing everything that uh, you've done for us here today and spending some time with us here, man. My pleasure, Phil, anytime. I know I came into this podcast thinking that Mac Jones maybe was playing a little too fast. Maybe because of the punishment he had taken, he was starting to say to himself, it ain't worth it and getting rid of the football more quickly because of it. But after talking to JT, he's changed my opinion a little bit. And we didn't watch every single play of that game against the Jets. But I think we now know that scheme has so much to do with what's going on at that position. When you have six or seven screens, and then you have two more plays that are essentially bubble screen option types of plays, you're talking about almost a third of Mac Jones' dropbacks where he has one dedicated receiver, one option in the passing game 
at that moment. And that guy is usually either right at the line of scrimmage or even behind the line of scrimmage. That's going to impact your average depth of target, your average intended air yards on next-gen stats. So that's number one. But number two is sometimes decision-making is a part of that as well, but it's the right decision to take the short throw on occasion. And JT pointed out a couple of those moments there, especially that one play in the red zone that we talked about at the tail end of our conversation. He was pressured. I thought there was so much room for Hunter Henry running a corner route to the back corner of the end zone. This offense has had so many issues in the red zone. I felt like that might've been a good opportunity for him to take a chance, but because he has to be his own protection at times and because he's able to mentally handle taking five man protections in front of him in critical situations, and then account for his own pass rusher himself and get rid of the football quickly, that can sometimes lead to shorter throws. And that's exactly what happened in that instance. James White lost a yard on the play. It was third down in the red zone, four point play, not a great result, right? Well, when you have pressure bearing down on you and that guy's your responsibility as a quarterback, you got to do what you're supposed to do the way it's drawn up. And that's what Mac Jones did. He took care of himself. He took care of the football and the Patriots lived to see another down. They kick three points and they move on. Those are the types of moments where it's not Josh McDaniels holding Mac Jones back. There's a deep element to that play. There's an intermediate element to that play. And it's not Mac Jones holding Mac Jones back because he is not acting in such a harried fashion that he's taking yards or maybe even points off the board. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. He's being a smart quarterback in that moment. But the intended air yards, those are going to take a hit in a moment like that. That's okay for the New England Patriots. I think at some point in time here, you're going to have to figure out a way to be able to draw up some shot plays. You're going to have to get a little bit more explosive to keep up with the offenses, especially that you're going to see over the course of the next month or so here, whether it's Tampa Bay in week four or Dallas in week six, you're going to have to keep pace to a certain extent. And so throwing the football four and a half, five, five and a half yards down the field on average, that might not get it done. But in week two against the Jets, where Zach Wilson turns it over four times, that is enough. But not every quarterback can take advantage of those moments where you've been gifted the football on a handful of occasions and you still have to take care of it. You still have to be able to drive your team down the field and take the points that are available to you. So will it work moving forward? I think they have a long way to go in terms of being able to diversify their attack. But from what we've seen of Mac Jones through two weeks, I think we've seen a quarterback that you know is more often than not going to make the right decision. It's just that sometimes the right decision is to throw short. That's it for this edition of the Next Pats podcast. Hopefully you learned something today. I know I did. Thanks so much to JT O'Sullivan, Dr. JT O'Sullivan, leadership studies, PhD. That guy has big brain on JT O'Sullivan of the QB school. Again, make sure you're going and checking that out on YouTube. Patreon, the guy's everywhere. He's sharing as much knowledge as he can, and he has a ton of it when it comes to the sport. So if you want to be a smarter football fan, maybe you're coaching out there, and you want to be a smarter football coach, dive into his stuff because you won't regret it. Before we let you go, got to ask you, please, 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 rate, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, do all those things for us so that we can continue to make Next Pats the best damn podcast we possibly can. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week.